This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. As for me, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. With every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, of all that go out of the ark, every beast of the earth. Thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I will make between, which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I set my rainbow in the cloud and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. And it shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. The rainbow shall be in the cloud. And I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all the flesh that is on the earth. The sky above is full of, full of beautiful and remarkable and wonderful sights of which familiarity has dulled our sense of appreciation. The sun by day and the moon and the stars by night. And then, whether you're like me or not, I'm not sure, but... I love to look up at the sky, whether it's night or day. And if you look up at the sky during the day, you often see great cloud formations. Uh, the cirrus cloud and the cumulus and the nimbus and the stratus cloud. And sometimes those great big anvil clouds that are full of thunder and lightning. I don't know if any of you has ever seen lenticular clouds. The word comes from lens. And they're often mistaken for UFOs, what people imagine a UFO would look like. It would be kind of like saucer-shaped and very, very smooth edges. And you get them high up, particularly over mountains and high ground. And they're an odd shape, but they're lovely. They're quite lovely to look upon. Has anybody in here ever seen noctilucent clouds? Mike, I put his hand up, but I don't think that was for me, was it? <laughs> Noctilucent clouds are night shining clouds. And you only ever see them in the summertime and not every summer. In fact, there was none last summer that I saw. But you have to be up at midnight. And you have to look into the northern sky. And it shows you the kind of sad life I've got. Where I would actually go out at midnight and look into the north sky. But if you ever see them, uh, they are ethereal. And they are... They're silvery, wispy clouds that stretch out for miles and miles. And they're highly unusual. And we don't know what causes them. Maybe comet dust, it may be meteor dust that the sun shines off, because normally at that time of night, any sun that would come up in the summertime still would be resident in the sky. Clouds would be black. But these are not black, and they're absolutely beautiful to see. And if you ever seen the aurora borealis, then that is absolutely breathtaking to see that. But above all of those, the rainbow holds a special 
special significance. It alone speaks of the tender, loving, merciful nature of a good God. It's both interesting and enlightening to understand why God chose that phenomenon to exhibit his mercy and his grace to us. You think of everything he could have chosen, and I just mentioned a few, but why that particular thing? Why the rainbow? Well, first of all, the rainbow appears after the storm. And it's God's way to remind us that every storm in life eventually blows itself out. Every storm. And every storm in your life and in my life will eventually blow itself out. If we hang in there and we keep trusting and believing and depending upon God, sooner or later the dark clouds will lift. Sooner or later the great thunder clouds will cease and their noise will be quiet. And sooner or later the sun will shine through again and the bow will appear in the sky and the bow will appear over your life. Amen. Isaiah 43 and 2 is beautiful. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. What a promise. What a blessed scripture that is. You can count on that as a guarantee. Eventually, somehow, sometime, some way, that bow will appear over your life. Thank God every time there's a flood beneath your feet, there will be a bow above your head. George Matheson, that famous hymn writer, he wrote that beautiful hymn, O love that will not let me go. In the third verse it says, O joy that seekest me through pain, I cannot close my heart to thee. I trace the rainbow through the rain and feel the promise is not vain. That morn shall tearless be. If you ever read George Matheson's life story, you would see that there was a lot of rain in his life. He had a lot of dark, difficult days that he had to go through. There was times he was so low and so depressed and so beaten down, he didn't think he'd ever rise again. But here he says, I trace the rainbow through the rain. And so in our lives, we can trace the rainbow through the rain. What is the beauty of the rainbow? The beauty of the rainbow is simply its beauty. Simply its beauty. The rainbow has no practical purpose whatsoever. The sun has. The sun gives us light and heat, doesn't it? The action of the sun upon plants causes photosynthesis, makes growth. Even the moon has got purposes. One of its great purposes is, of course, is the effect that it has on the Earth's oceans. It causes the oceans to bulge, and that gives us our tides. And it makes the seas like a great big washing machine that just goes backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. And if it didn't do that, our seas would be stagnant and the fish would die. But because it shakes up the sea continuously, then the nutrients rise up and the fish are able to live and feed and it keeps the seas alive and keeps them fresh. Just one of the purposes of the moon. The stars, 
The stars had practical purposes. In ancient times, the mariners were able to sail the seven seas because of the stars. Why? Because the stars always held their course. They were always there. They were where they were supposed to be, and they could have took their line from that. The wind, we have learned to harness the wind. We see wind turbines all over the place, ugly as they are, but there's a practical purpose for them. We understand that wind can drive things and give energy. Even clouds, the clouds distill the rain and give us waters and give us rivers and it flows into the sea and then that cycle starts over again. But what about the rainbow? You can't do anything with a rainbow. You can't build a house on it. You can't grow corn by it. You can't bottle it. <laughs> you can't do anything with it. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. The wind, you can feel. The sun, you can sense its heat. But what about the rainbow? Can't do anything with it. Other than look at it and admire it and see its beauty. And anyone, no matter who they are, believer or unbeliever, can look up and see a rainbow and admire the beauty of it. And it is a beautiful thing, particularly if you get it bright and clear and sharp. It's wonderful. But you can't touch it. You can't smell it. You can't taste it. You can't do anything with it. All you can do is admire it and accept its beauty. And it's as if God is saying, look, you can't touch that. That's mine. I have given that as a sign to you. But you can't make merchandise of it. You can't sell it. You can't bottle it. You can't do a business with it other than say, that's God's sign. It reminds me of God's unfailing mercy. Now, I know that scientifically we can reproduce that. But we couldn't reproduce it unless God had made contingent plans for that to happen in the first place. You know, the sun has got to be at a certain angle in the sky before you get a rainbow. Little drops of rain are like little tiny prisms that the sun shines through, and it has to be at a certain angle. And when it does that, then it just disperses the light so that we can see the constituent parts of light that we don't normally see. And mercy is like the rainbow. It belongs to God. And we can't make merchandise of God's mercy. Religions try to make merchandise of God's mercy. Try to get men to buy it. Try to get men to pay it for it. Try to get men to earn it. But you can't. You can no more earn God's forgiveness than you could own a rainbow. You just can't. It's impossible. And it's if God is saying to us, look, when you see that bow, that reminds you of my promise of mercy. And there's nothing you can do with that rainbow other than see it as a sign from God. You know, if you're standing beside an unbeliever sometime and there's a beautiful rainbow, you might say, hey, look at that and admire it for a moment and say, do you know what that means? Do you understand what that means? And they may say, no. Well, let me tell you, that's a sign that God is merciful to you and to me. And every time you see that, it reminds us of the mercy of God. And then you can share a little about the mercy of God. Try as you may, you can never find where a rainbow ends. <laughs> 
Now, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up as a wee boy, we were told, if you find the end of a rainbow, you'll find a crop of gold. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> and of course, when you're a wee child, then that was wonderful. You saw the rainbow and you thought, if I could just get to the end of that, I could find gold. And then when you grew up a bit and you were driving your car and you saw a rainbow and you thought, if I could just get over that next hill, maybe I would get to the end of that rainbow. But you never can because of the curvature of the earth. Actually, a rainbow is not just a bow. It's a complete circle. But because of the curvature of the earth, we can't see it as a complete circle while we're on the earth. If you were off the earth, you could see that, but you can't while you're on it. And that's like the mercy of God. You can't find the end of it. It's never ending. The mercy of God. Psalm 103, 17. His mercy is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him. His mercy is to all generations. Psalm 108, verse 4. For your mercy is great above the heavens and your truth reaches unto the clouds. And then the old favorite Lamentations 3.22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Think of the expanse of the rainbow. There's not a nation on earth where God's bow doesn't bend over it. Not a nation on earth where people can't see a rainbow. By the way, there's such a thing as a moonbow. Do you ever see a moonbow? In the right conditions, the moon can cause a little bow as well. But that's another story. I'm not going to that. Some night when there's a big moonbow in the sky and a big moon halo will give you all a ring and you can go out in your back garden and look up and see it. <laughs> it's massive when you see it. It's fascinating. <coughs> And so that's his silent witness. That's his unspoken promise to the world that never again in his mercy will he ever destroy the world with a flood. It's going to be burned with fire one day, but that's another thing. Peter talks about that, but never with a flood. And then, of course, it has its seven colors, hasn't it? And seven numerically in the Bible speaks of completeness, perfection, and the book of Revelation begins with seven churches and seven candlesticks who represent the seven leaders of the seven churches. And that's the token of the completeness of the church and the completeness of the ministry. And then, of course, there's three sets of seven judgments. Seal judgments and bowl judgments and trumpet judgments. And then there's seven no mores. You should look up the seven no mores in Revelation. That'll keep you going all week and see what God says will be no more, no more tears, no more weeping, seven no mores. Mercy is so complete, isn't it? Hebrews 7:25, it can save to the uttermost. Hallelujah. To the uttermost, to the nth degree, to the greatest depth that you can ever imagine. God's mercy can save. It can take a total failure and turn that person into a total success. It can take a sinner and turn them into a saint. And it's only the mercy of God can do that. Amen. What a great God that we serve. 
When you think of the mercy of God in our lives, where would we be tonight without the mercy of God? Mercy has such variety. The colors speak of variety, doesn't it? In 1 Peter 4.10, Peter talks about the manifold grace of God, the multifaceted, the many-sided, just like a diamond that's cut and you hold it up to the light and sparkles because of all the cuts, because of the way that it's shaped. And Peter says that's what mercy's like. It has so many sides to it. It has so many facets to it. And it's wonderful. Mercy for the sinner. Mercy for the saint. Mercy for the prince. Mercy for the pauper. Mercy for the poor. Mercy for the rich. Mercy for a nation. Mercy for an individual. Mercy for you. Mercy for me. It is such variety. Grace and mercy. What is it we always say? In grace, God gives you what you don't deserve. In mercy, God doesn't give you what you do deserve. Another way, it's wonderful for us, isn't it? It's wonderful for us. And it's made after the pattern of the one that's shown in heaven. In Genesis 9, we just read that. One at the beginning, Ezekiel 28, one in the middle, Revelation 4, one at the end. Three rainbows. I told you one time recently, you need to check those three rainbows. Did anybody do that? No, didn't think so. But anyway, you're going to find out tonight. (laughs) So, thank God that Noah saw the rainbow after the storm. Storms are inevitable. Every pilot has experienced turbulence. Every sailor has had rough seas. Every mountain climber has gone through valleys. And every one of us has had storms in our life. It's inescapable. It's inevitable. You live long enough, you're going to meet a storm. Something's going to happen. A loved one dies. Maybe suddenly. You lose your job. Business goes bust. Relationship breaks down. Storms. All of us get them and face them in life. Can't help it. It happens. Sickness strikes. And sometimes in the midst of the storm, you think God doesn't see. Or maybe worse, you think God doesn't care. But he does see and he does care. When his disciples were out in the midst of Galilee in that little boat and the storm was raging and they thought their boat was going to sink and Jesus was up the mountain praying and he saw them toiling and rowing in the midst of the sea. What did he do? Did he ignore them? No. He went walking on the sea to them. They thought they saw a ghost. The last person on earth they thought would reach them in the midst of the sea and the storm would be Jesus, but he was right there right there and he's right there with us in the midst of our storm and sometimes we can't feel him and we can't see him and we can't sense him because of the storms raging but if he can just remember <laughs> if he can just remember when the storm is under your feet there's a bow above your head Hallelujah. every time but sometimes we're so looking at our feet we forget to look up and realize that God has not forsaken us 
I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll be with you even unto the end, he said. What promises are for us? Hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Joseph's brothers wanted to kill him, literally kill him. One says, no, let's sell him. That's the mercy of God. Potiphar's wife lied about him. He got thrown into prison, but the prison officer favored him. That's the mercy of God. The king's butler got released. Two years later, he remembered that Joseph could interpret dreams. That was the mercy of God. Tough for Joseph. He didn't always feel it, but God was right there with him every step of the way. The mercy of God. It's easy looking back, isn't it? You look back and say, well, God was there and God was there and God was there. But at the time, it's not so easy, is it? But if you can just remember, there'll always be a rainbow for us. In Ezekiel chapter 1, In verse 26 of Ezekiel 1, and above the firmament over their heads was the likeness of a throne and appearance like a sapphire stone. And the likeness of the throne was like a likeness with the appearance of a man high above it. Also from the appearance of his waist and upward, I saw as it were the color of amber with the appearance of fire all around within it. And from the appearance of his waist and downwards, I saw as it were the appearance of fire with the brightness all around. Listen to this, like the appearance of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the brightness all around it. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. Prophets had a difficult job in the Old Testament because almost all the time they prophesied, people didn't want to hear it. They were fought ferociously because of their prophecies. And often God would give them signed sermons. Ezekiel, you read Ezekiel, there's plenty, and he had to break sticks, he had to knock a hole in the wall and climb through it, he had to cut his hair and throw it to the wind and all the rest of it. Signed sermons, speaking to the nation. And God was speaking to the nation because the nation had terribly backslid. They had gone into idolatry and all kinds of perversions. And God was angry with them. And he came again and again and again and again with warnings and pleaded with them. If you don't stop this, you're going to be in serious trouble. Trouble is heading your way. There's a nation out there who's going to come and take you captive and they're going to kill you and destroy this nation. Please. And he pleaded with them, but they wouldn't listen. They wouldn't listen. And here they are in the midst of a great storm. And even though Ezekiel knew that they weren't listening, and even though he knew they had rejected his words and his prophecies, and even though he knew that they were heading for captivity and death and destruction, in the midst of all of that, he saw a rainbow, the sign of God's mercy. And even though they did go into captivity, but even in captivity, God had mercy. God still worked with them. God had mercy because he's merciful. 
He's merciful. And even though it was the most terrible time for them, but yet the prophet saw a rainbow. And when he saw that rainbow, he knew no matter how bad it gets, and it's going to get very, very bad, he knew it was going to be bad for them, no matter how bad it gets, God will mix it with mercy. And he did. Again and again and again. Jonah was given a message to the Ninevites. Go to that wicked nation, those people who are wicked and evil against God's people. Go to them and preach to them and tell them to repent. And Jonah didn't want to do it. He didn't want to do it because he hated them. And he didn't want them to get the message because he didn't want them to repent because he knew if they did, God would forgive them. And he didn't want them, he wanted them destroyed. And he fought against it. But eventually, 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 he went and he preached. And you know what happened? From the king downwards, they repented. And sackcloth and ashes, even the cows in the field, sackcloth and ashes. And God in his mercy forgave them. And for the next 100 years, God forgave them. And of course, they went back to their old ways, wicked ways. But he showed them mercy when they least deserved it. Zika saw the rainbow during the storm. And then in Revelation chapter 4, <coughs> After these things, as verse 1 of Revelation 4, after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. And immediately I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance as like an emerald. Ah. For those of you who followed me through the teaching in Revelation a couple of years ago, you may remember that after chapter 4 comes that series of judgments, three sets of seven judgments. Each one more severe than the one before. In fact, it's so bad that Jesus says in Matthew 24, the things that were coming on the earth were so bad that men's hearts would fail them for fear. They would literally have heart attacks because of what was coming on the earth. Some scary stuff happening today around the world. What's it going to be like then when men's hearts will fail them for fear? But John saw the rainbow before the judgment. <laughs> he saw the rainbow before the judgment came. Reminding him that even though what was going to happen was terrible beyond words, but yet God reminded him of his mercy. The Bible says mercy triumphs over judgment. If John hadn't saw that rainbow... And if John hadn't realized that God was a merciful God, he would have completely despaired of what was coming on earth because he saw the rainbow. There was hope because there was mercy and mercy triumphs over judgment. 
The whole world stands condemned before a righteous and a holy God. Nothing but judgment to come except God in his mercy sends his son, the Lord Jesus, to go to that cross and to die in our stead to forgive us our sins so that we wouldn't face the judgment of God. Aren't you glad for Jesus tonight? Who took that judgment that was supposed to be ours and he took that upon himself on that cross and we get off, we get pardoned and then he gave us his righteousness that we too could stand before a holy God uncondemned and clean. And that's the beauty of the gospel, isn't it? And so one saw the rainbow after the storm, one saw the rainbow during the storm, one saw the rainbow before the storm. There's always a rainbow. Always a rainbow. Perhaps you're facing a storm tonight. Or maybe there's one to come that you don't know of yet. But if you are, and if it does, then please remember the rainbow. Please remember that to look up, because God's got one over your head. And sometimes we fail to look up, don't we? We're so taken with the storm that we forget that he's above the storm. Those disciples were so taken with the storm that when Jesus came, they thought it was a ghost. Until Peter says, Lord, if it's you, if it's really you, I'm not sure, I think it's a ghost, but if it's really you, bid me come to thee in the water. And he put his leg over the boat and he came. Jesus says, come, come. And then they both got back into the boat and then the boat was at land. Wherever they went, the boat was right at land. So where are you tonight? Is there a storm in your life? Is it still brewing? Is it still going on? Can you see no way through? There's a rainbow for you. There's mercy for your life tonight. There's mercy for me tonight. I'm glad for the mercy of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your great mercy. We thank you for your love and grace and compassion and tender mercies towards us tonight. Lord, we were lost. We were undone. We were bound for hell. But in your mercy, you saved us and you washed us and you cleansed us and you made us fit for your heaven. So we give you thanks tonight for the rainbow of God, the reminder of your loving, tender mercies. Help us, Lord, to always look up and expect to see your rainbow in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.